The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Good afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall with you for the next two hours. I am joined in this hour by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's a blogger for EpicTimes.com and a lecturer in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Just a brief reminder that Leslie is going to be at the DNC this week. Today she's doing uh, some television and other parts of the week she will be for Fox. So you can always follow uh, those appearances at LeslieMarshallShow.com. And Leslie will actually be broadcasting right here on these same airwaves tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern at the convention. In the meantime, Brad, welcome back. Hey, Mark, how are you? Good, good. So uh, what is the mood like there in Philadelphia? We know you know, there was a lot of excitement leading up to the convention with the, the very powerful list of speakers, the uh, naming of Tim Kaine as Hillary Clinton's running mate Saturday, but then obviously the, the bombshell dropped with the DNC leaked emails, which uh, unfortunately for the Democratic Party seems to have uh, eaten up a lot of media time and uh, done what it seems like it was whoever, you know, wanted WikiLeaks to have it and when WikiLeaks leaked it it seems like it was done at the at the time it was done to basically put forth maximum damage in the media so you could tell this was no uh this was no accident uh no it isn't an accident it's just uh it's just very unfortunate because i think you're right it has stolen some of the thunder uh, from the convention, uh, but we've got heavy, two heavy-duty speakers tonight, so my guess is uh, after we get through the speakers tonight, we'll be in much better shape. Uh, Bernie Sanders is going to speak tonight to endorse Hillary Clinton again, uh, and then uh, Michelle Obama, who's pretty much one of the most popular public, uh, public figures in the United States, uh, she's going to give a speech about Hillary after that. So uh, I think it's going to be a powerful night, and hopefully it will uh, it will uh, eliminate some of the distraction that's been caused uh, by these uh, leaks. Brad, you, you run political campaigns. You know, you do this for a living. You know, looking at it, if you, you know, were in the position of the campaign and you saw something like this, obviously this is at a level we, you know, really haven't seen before with the, the level of hacking and potentially, you know, it looks like being affiliated with state actors potentially in Russia as the, the Clinton campaign had put forth. And then we learned today that the FBI is investigating the link, which I'll actually be talking about with an investigative reporter next hour. But from the political side of it, um, you know, how does how does the Clinton campaign handle this and how do the Democrats handle this? Well, uh, I think I think the uh, Clinton campaign uh, handled this badly. Uh, first, they 
I guess on Saturday, uh, that uh, Representative, uh, I think his name is uh, uh, Representative Fudge, who's from Cleveland, uh, was going to be the presiding officer instead of uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, then, uh, I guess yesterday sometime, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz announced that she was going to convene the convention uh, tonight. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of criticism uh, about that because everybody thought she wasn't going to have a role at the convention after uh, the controversy on Friday. Uh, and then a little later, Debbie Wasserman Schultz announced she was not going to convene the connection tonight. So there will be no Debbie Wasserman Schultz tonight, uh, this week at the convention, thank God. Uh, and I don't know who handled this, but it was handled very badly. Uh, you know, her, you know, the Clinton campaign announcing that she wasn't going to be, uh, the presiding officer and then her coming back and announcing that she was going to convene the convention. Then she comes back later, I'm sure, under the, uh, pressure of the Clinton campaign to announce she wasn't going to have any part uh, of it at all, which is, uh, and I, if they had got to this earlier, we would have been better off. Now, um, you know, the the other fact that got ignored, um, you know, or not ignored, but that was overshadowed by some of this news was how well uh, Tim Kaine did in his speech with Hillary Clinton in Miami Saturday. So I want to talk some more about that because I think, you know, there was uh, it was probably d- directed this way on purpose to kind of set low expectations for Kane. But then I, I think even, you know, the people who had the highest expectations for him were probably wowed by how great of a speech he gave on Saturday. Um, I want to play a quick clip of that, Brad, and then get your reaction. Okay. This is quite a week for me, and believe it or not, for as powerful as it is to become Hillary Clinton's running mate, that's not the only thing on my mind this week. Ann and I have three kids. Our oldest son, Nat, is here today with his fiance. He is a, he's a proud Marine. And, and in, just, in just a few days, He's deploying to Europe to uphold America's commitment to our NATO allies. For me, for me, this drives home the stakes in this election. Nearly two million men and women put their lives on the line for this country as active duty, as reservists, as guard members. They deserve a commander-in-chief with the experience and the temperament to lead. What, what, is, um, what does Donald Trump say about these great Americans, these two millions? He repeatedly calls the American military, quote, a disaster. And just this week, Donald Trump said that as president, he consider turning America's back on our decades-old commitments to our allies. And all of you remember a few months ago when he said about a Senate colleague of of, of then-Senator Clinton's and mine, John McCain, that he wasn't a hero because he had been captured and served as a prisoner of war 
in Vietnam. And he wants to be Commander-in-Chief? While our service members are out there on the front lines, Trump saying he'd leave our allies at the mercy of an increasingly aggressive Russia. And folks, that's an open invitation to Vladimir Putin to just roll on in. Even a lot of Republicans say that that's terribly dangerous. When you, listen. All right, I'm hiring for the speechwriting team. That, that, um, we, we've seen again and again that when Donald Trump says he has your back, you better watch out. From Atlantic City to his so-called university, he leaves a trail of broken promises and wrecked lives wherever he goes. We, we can't afford to let him do the same thing to our country. And folks, we don't have to because Hillary Clinton is the direct opposite of Donald Trump. So, Brad, you hear the uh, the response that he got there, and he got a lot of good responses on, on both the left and the right, uh, I noticed, after his speech, you know, just on the presentation of it and how comfortable he seemed. What was your reaction to the speech and to the choice of Kane as Clinton's running mate, Brad? Well, I agree with you on the speech. You know, the, the main function that the vice presidential candidate serves on the campaign trail is to beat up uh, on the other presidential candidate. And that's what Kane was obviously doing there, uh, and he did it very well. Uh, in terms of the choice, uh, I think it's a good choice. Uh, Kane's a good guy. Uh, out of college, he went to work in the Peace Corps in Latin America, where he learned to speak fluent Spanish. Uh, then he uh, went to law school, uh, got a law degree, and uh, did civil rights cases. Uh, and uh, then he uh, was lieutenant governor of Virginia, and then governor. Uh, he worked. He fought the uh, NRA tooth and nail uh, to, you know, to rein in guns in Virginia. And there's still a lot of Virginia that's very conservative in the southern part of the state, what they call Southside. Uh, as a senator, he's got a hundred percent approval rating uh, from Planned Parenthood. Uh, he's got a hundred percent pure uh, percent rating from uh, the Brady campaign to ban guns. Uh, he's got a ninety-six percent uh, jo uh, job rating from the FLCIO, so he has positive job credentials. He also comes from Virginia, which is a swing state, which I think will pretty now pretty safely put in Hillary's column. So I, I think Kane's going to be a good candidate. Brad, when we get back from the break, I want to talk to you specifically about uh, Kane's fluency in Spanish, which we saw on display uh, coming uh, up Saturday. Uh, you know, it's something that um, even Anna Navarro, who's a Republican strategist, tweeted, Kane speaks pretty good Spanish, better than some Hispanics in Congress, and Kane's able to switch languages pretty seamlessly. There's another Republican, uh, Trump supporter, Scotty Nell Hughes, who's a CNN contributor, who had a different take on it. So we're going to uh, play 
play that audio going into break, and then we'll get Brad's comments and yours on the other side of the break. If you'd like to join us, the number to do so is 8886-LESLIE. So this is Scotty Nell Hughes, who is a Trump supporter and a CNN contributor talking about Kane's speech. You know, I appreciate him having multicultural and speaking Spanish. I think that's a great idea. And we can all bring out our languages. Melania could come out and speak her five different languages as well. But what Mr. Trump did, he spoke in a language that all Americans can understand. That is English. And that is one good thing that I thought that was a great thing that, you know, we saw during the... I didn't have to get a translator for anything that was going on at the RNC this week. And I'm hoping I'm not going to have to kind of start brushing up back on my door of the Explorer to understand some of the speeches given this week. So, obviously, you hear the knock there uh, about Dora the Explorer and, you know, basically insulting Kane for speaking Spanish during his speech. Uh, we're going to ask Brad about that and also uh, note that the uh, Latino demographic is the largest growing demographic in the United States. And that's been a theme that the Trump campaign has really pushed against, um, you know, and hurt him with them. So we're going to talk more about that with Brad after the break. If you'd like to join in with your thoughts on any of the topics we've discussed or anything related to the DNC, you can join us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi, Leslie's executive producer, joined by Brad Bannon. Check out Brad on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. His website is BannonCR.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter as well if you'd like. My handle is at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. having multicultural and speaking Spanish. I think that's a great idea. And we can all bring out our languages. Melania could come out and speak her five different languages as well. But what Mr. Trump did, he spoke in a language that all Americans can understand. That is English. And that is one good thing that I thought that was a great thing that, you know, we saw during the... I didn't have to get a translator for anything that was going on at the RNC this week. And I'm hoping I'm not going to have to kind of start brushing up back on my door of the Explorer to understand some of the speeches given this week. So that, again, was Scotty Nell Hughes, a Trump supporter and CNN contributor, uh, knocking Tim Kaine for speaking what was described by many as fluent Spanish during his uh, speech this past Saturday in Miami, which is also important to note, which has a very large Spanish-speaking population this past Saturday. Brad, first of all, with uh, Kaine's strong fluency in Spanish, do you think it will be uh, a big help to the Democratic ticket on the campaign trail leading into November? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I can't believe the way the Trump people talk. Uh, you're right. That was a snide little crack um, about, you know, people who speak Spanish. Uh, and, you know, they're killing themselves. You know, I don't know, even know if we should be talking about this, Mark, because if they hear this broadcast, they may stop what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they go out of their way to insult the fastest growing uh, voter group in the United States. Uh, and, you know, the reality is I think they have it in their mind somehow that they can win this election just with white voters. And they can't. 
back in 2012, Mitt Romney won the white vote by 20%, 59 to 39. And despite that big victory among white voters, he lost to Barack Obama. And that shows this is a diverse nation now. And basically, Trump is running a whites-only campaign. And you can't do that. America is too diverse to do that. Uh, and they're going out of their way to, you know, to galvanize Latino voters. And my guess is when we look at the uh, returns on November 8th, we're going to find out it was the Latino vote uh, that beat Donald Trump. Uh, right now, uh, if you look at the battleground states where there are large numbers of Latino voters, Florida, uh, California, for instance, uh, Hillary Clinton has big lead in both those so-called swing states um, and because they have large Latino populations. And the reality is, if you know, Donald Trump can't win those swing states like Florida and Colorado, even if you, you know, manages to win, you know, Ohio by some leap of imagination, uh, he's going to get beat by the Latino vote. And so, you know, he can, you know, he and his supporters can make snide comments all they want. You know, there was a story today in the New York Times or yesterday about uh, General Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who was one of the people uh, uh, Trump considered for his running mate. Uh, uh, the general sent out a tweet yesterday showing, saying, essentially, Trump's going to win. That's going to show those Jews. You wow. know, I mean. This is pure racism, and I just don't think you can have that kind of attitude and win an election in a diverse country like the United States has become. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the contrast, Brad, with a lot of the media wrapped up in the the DNC story today. I think a lot of it, you know, it, it it'll it'll settle down. It's the breaking news right now. But I think once people let it settle where it is and take it, you know, at face value, and then incorporate that into all these other things. I mean, the fact remains, regardless of you know how, which people I think should be unhappy with you know how Wasserman Schultz handled the the DNC. You you Brad had been critical of the the debate dates that she would choose on things like weekends and things like that but the point remains that you know that didn't have much to do you know that's not why Hillary Clinton got elected it wasn't by a margin that was big enough to make a difference by that number one and number two if you look at and that, I'm a Bernie supporter I volunteered for him um, number two Bernie Sanders himself is saying that we need to defeat Donald Trump and he is has forced Hillary Clinton to the left on a lot of issues that she is not now supported like a constitutional amendment to overturn citizens united for example but we'll have more of this conversation after our break with brad bannon and myself mark grimaldi give us a shout 8886 Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall for the rest of the show today. We've got about an hour and a half left. 
and joined uh, for the rest, uh, almost the rest of this hour by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, which is a polling message development and media firm, which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. He's a blogger for EpicTimes.com and a lecturer in political silence at Salem State University. Follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Check out his website, BannonCR.com. Before the break, Brad, I, I was talking about how I think sometimes we get, um, you know, very involved in, in the story that's being talked about, which right now the big story this this past weekend, as we said, unfortunately, which overshadowed uh, the choice of Tim Kaine and the positive vibes that were coming from that and his speech Saturday with this uh, leak, which, you know, I think, as we said, was no accident that it was leaked after the Republicans convention and right before the Democratic convention. The uh, you know, the, it's worth noting at this hour, Brad, I don't know if you've seen there's been some breaking news within the last couple hours that the FBI has opened an investigation uh, trying to find out uh, who actually hacked the DNC. They did have um, an independent organization called CrowdStrike, which uh, does these sort of research in identifying hackers. And, and last month, many people remember that it was found that th- it was Russian-affiliated hackers who hacked into the DNC previously, and they're trying to find out if these documents are leaked to those same uh, state-sponsored hackers. Um, so just something that people should be aware of. It was something that was uh, talked about yesterday by Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mo- who went a step further and and noted that Paul Manafort, the Trump campaign manager, uh, which maybe a lot of people don't know yet, uh, actually was a consultant for the Russian-backed leader in Ukraine. So, um, you know, that connection has not been proven that Manafort had any sort of connection to this or anything like that. But the campaign, uh, excuse me, the Clinton campaign manager, I think, you know, smartly bringing up the connection, that's something that a good uh, campaign manager should do. But the facts at this hour still remain that previously the DNC had been hacked by Russian state-sponsored hackers. And, um, you know, Trump had it's no secret Trump has made positive comments towards Putin and Putin has done one and the same. And, you know, during the actual RNC, we saw Trump's claims about potentially not backing NATO allies if they didn't uh, support NATO economically to his satisfaction or something to that effect, which, as you know, would directly help, uh, you know, Russia in, in the Baltic area where, you know, these NATO allies would potentially need the United States help. So uh, a very deep story to continue monitoring. But as I was saying, Brad, the fact remains that um, this is just one piece of the puzzle. And when people take a step back and look at the whole, you know, the puzzle as a whole, we're still faced with one candidate, you know, who Americans look at as very divisive in Trump. And, you know, you have his campaign surrogates taking the lead from him, knocking Latinos, you know, the potential uh, his proposed Muslim ban um, and the comments that he made about Judge Curiel. Um, Hillary Clinton, you know, I think the DNC, this is an opportunity for them as to use her uh, slogan, Stronger Together. Um, is, are those the sort of things you're expecting to hear tonight from the likes of Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama, Brad? Well, yeah, I think uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, I think the, the important speech is the First Lady's. Uh, she's very good. Uh, and uh, she is a lot more, actually Gallup did a poll uh, on uh First, the first lady and potential first ladies, uh, and almost every American, uh, with few exceptions, uh, likes Michelle Obama. Uh, a lot of people who don't like her husband like her. Uh, 
and uh, the other thing uh, that they found in the Gallup poll uh, is that uh, Bill Clinton uh, was uh, the Americans liked the idea of Bill Clinton as first spouse a lot better than they did Melania Trump. Uh, so uh, I think it's the first lady's speech. And, of course, you know, if Bernie gives the same speech he's already given for Hillary in New Hampshire, where he said, I will do everything I can to help elect Hillary Clinton, we're good. Uh, because he's already said all that in New Hampshire. Uh, he repeats it tonight. Uh, we get a boffo speech from the uh, first lady, which I'm sure she's not going to plagiarize. Uh, and I think we'll be in a lot better shape going in tomorrow. Brad, I want to talk to you about uh, an article that I know you're very familiar with, Nate Silver, uh, who has made some strong uh, predictions that were, you know, very uh, did a good job in the 2008 and 2012 presidential uh, election predictions. I think he got something like 49 of the 50 states correct in 2008 and then all 50 states correct in 2012 or, or very close to that. He didn't have a great streak in the Republican primary as he didn't expect Trump to do as strongly as he did uh, in some of the states, which, you know, to his uh, credit, uh, not many people actually predicted uh, the Trump rise as soon as it happened. But um, he wrote uh, a piece this uh, I think it was yesterday talking about whether or not uh, he believes in the, the recent polls out since the Republican convention, whether or not Trump got a post convention b- uh, bump. I know you're very in tune with the polling. Two of the polls that were mentioned were a Gravis poll, which uh, is noted that does seem to be an outlier that has shown Trump stronger than in other polls in the past. Um, so that's something to note. Uh, that was conducted last Thursday and Friday, which would have been the last day of the convention the day after it had Trump up by two points. Then we had an LA Times USC poll conducted between July twenty excuse me, July seventeenth and twenty third, which had Trump ahead by three points. So what do you think of these polls? Obviously, you know, as a Democratic strategist and as a strong Democrat myself, you never like to see Trump up in any of the polls. But um, you know, with with the convention and then, you know, with what we're seeing now, what do you what do you make of this? Well, uh, I put a lot more credence in the L.A. Times poll, uh, you know, and it looks to me that uh, Trump did get a post-convention bounce. Uh, and uh, people will start polling again uh, Friday or even Thursday night, uh, and we will find out that Hillary Clinton got a post-election bounce, too. Uh, almost every candidate I can remember has got a bounce out of his convention. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And my guess is we're going to see a whole bunch of polls at the end of the week, uh, that show Hillary Clinton back ahead. And, you know, looking at, at the, the debates coming up this fall, Brad, is that something that you think that the Clinton campaign is just licking their chops for? Well, I think it's my, you know, I think basically this is the way Hillary Clinton looks at the race. Uh, and in general, and the debate in particular. Uh, she has not gone as far as she has in American politics by underestimating her opponents. Uh, she will go into that debate, and she goes into the fall election, uh, you know, ready, uh, ready, you know, for anything. Uh, because they know one thing, that Trump is going to relentlessly attack her. Uh, and my guess is that's what will happen during the debate. 
uh, and uh, the Clinton campaign knows that, uh, and they'll be prepared uh, for it, and they'll be prepared to, you know, you know, go back at them uh, in the same way. Uh, so uh, I don't think anybody there in the Clinton campaign is uh, licking their chops uh, because they're seasoned professionals and they know how strange American politics is where things can uh, stop on a dime and turn. Uh, so, uh, they, they are, you know, they are ready. Uh, and I think they have a much better organized campaign than the Trump campaign has. All right. We're going to go to, uh, a, oh, I think we lost a call. Uh, we lost a call. If we have a caller call back, we'll, we'll go to his line. Um, next I want to talk, Brad, about, um, you know, whether or not you think that uh, the list of speakers at the DNC compared to the list at the RNC, you know, that seems like an area that the Democrats really should be able to use to their advantage. And if they don't, I think it would be a missed opportunity. I mean, if you look at the lineup, like you said, tonight you've got Bernie Sanders and then First Lady Michelle Obama. Uh, we've also got uh, President Bill Clinton, uh, current President Barack Obama. You have Vice President Joe Biden. And then you also have uh, Tim Kaine, you know, Senators uh, Tim Kaine, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker. I mean, it's like a star-studded lineup in the first place compared to almost any convention that I can remember in recent history, number one. But number two, when you compare it to the Republican National Convention, I mean, any objective person would say that the differences are glaring. Well, yeah, they are. I mean, let's look here. Um, let's look at uh, Trump's toughest two opponents in the GOP uh, race. Uh, Ted Cruz uh, gave a speech um, at the Republican convention uh, in which he pointedly uh, did not say one nice thing about Donald Trump um, or endorse him. Uh, John Kasich, who is the governor of Ohio, uh, did not even show up at the convention, and he's the governor of Ohio. Uh, and, uh, you know, in fact, uh, in something I've never heard before, uh, John Kasich is now running anti-Trump ads, TV ads, in Ohio. Wow. And Yeah, wow. I mean, I've never heard of that happening before. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders has always already given Hillary Clinton a full-throated endorsement. Uh, and you have the spectacular lineup of speakers. And the reality is they had a very weak group of speakers because no, no major Republican, you know, wanted to be within 100 miles of the place because they think Donald Trump's radio radioactive. Yeah, Brad, I'm just, you know, I saw a blurb about this yesterday, but I want to talk more about what the story you just brought up about Governor Kasich uh, openingly campaigning against uh, Donald Trump. And there's comments yesterday I did see where uh, Kasich is quoted as saying that Trump probably can't win Ohio. Um, that would be a really uh, heavy lift uh, for Trump if he was not able to win Ohio because you look at. I think he has a more I think most people would argue that Trump has a better chance of winning Ohio than he does Florida because of the large Latino population in Florida. And we see that in the, the latest, you know, battleground polls. Um, so if he's unable to win Ohio, I mean, I don't looking at the electoral map, you know, if he's not winning Ohio, I don't see how he's winning Pennsylvania. I mean, then it really then I don't th I don't think I mean, that that's that's he's pretty much got to win Ohio. Pennsylvania and Florida to really flip the map, I think, is, is the, the, the Trump campaign's thoughts, right? 
Right. And, you know, Barack Obama won 362, 61 electoral votes in 2012. Uh, that, of course, um, is, uh, is uh, 61 more than any actually needed to win the presidency. Uh, and so Donald Trump has to get uh, take away uh, 70 electoral votes uh, from states that Barack Obama won last time. And you're right. I mean, uh, Donald Trump isn't going to win Ohio, and he isn't going to win Ohio uh, because John Kasich doesn't want him to win Ohio. Uh, and so Trump is going to have no one in Ohio to pass out to do mundane things like pass out Trump literature, uh, to go door to door, or even to get out the vote. Uh, because he's not going to get any help from Republicans in Ohio, and I don't see how he can win Ohio that way. And you're right. If he can't win Ohio, he's not going to win this thing. And besides having to take away 61 electoral votes from states that Barack Obama won, uh, Donald Trump is also going to have to fight for his life probably in a couple of states that Mitt Romney won. Uh, local polls have showed a very close race uh, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump uh, in Georgia uh, and in Arizona, uh, which haven't gone Republican in a couple of decades. Uh, so he's got the, the electoral map. It makes it, it makes it very difficult to figure out where Donald Trump's going to get the 270 electoral votes he needs to become president. You know, you can talk about public opinion polls until the cows come home, but the only thing that matters, according to the Constitution, is getting 270 electoral votes. And without Ohio, without Ohio and without John Kasich, I don't see how Trump does that. No, I think that's a very key point, Brad. The other important point is to, to bring up is how popular John Kasich is in Ohio. I don't happen to have it in front of me. Um, maybe our assistant producer can can grab it for me, the approval rating of John Kasich in Ohio. But I know that he won, the only state he did win in the Republican primary was Ohio, and he is a very popular governor in that state. So it's what you would think that if voters are going to listen to one of the two men between Kasich and Trump, um, or at least take, you know, uh, what what one of them has to heart, you would think it would be Kasich between the two of them because of Kasich's well, strong ties to the yeah, state, right. you know. Kasich is more popular in Ohio than Trump. And more importantly than that, Trump, uh, Kasich controls the Republican volunteers who go door to door, make the lit drops, do the get out to vote. And Trump's not going to have any help from local Republicans in doing that. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton has going to be all sorts. The local state Democratic Party is going to be helping Hillary Clinton, Ohio. Uh, they're all sort. The labor's very strong in Ohio, so they're going to be helping uh, Hillary Clinton do lit drops and get out the vote. And it's going to be very tough for Donald Trump to win Ohio because he's got nothing going on there, and Hillary Clinton already has like a hundred staff people there. Uh, and uh, and like we said, if uh, Trump can't win Ohio, he's never going to get 270 electoral votes. Yeah, the other uh, point is, Brad, Andrew, thanks to our uh, great assistant producer here, Andrew Tomedy, he just found the uh, approval rating for John Kasich. Now, this was back in May, but I haven't really seen anything that would change this for Kasich drastically. Um, Kasich had an, a 61% approval rating and only 29% 
disapproval rating with 10% undecided in, in polling back in May. So that that's really popular <laughs> looking at, uh, you know, a governor uh, in, a, in a major state like that. So uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Brad, uh, enjoy the rest of the convention, and thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. If you'd like to follow Brad, which I uh, highly recommend, you can check out his Twitter handle, which is at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. Check out his website, which is BannonCR.com. You can listen to Brad regularly on the Leslie Marshall Show. He usually appears with Leslie each Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, but uh, taking some time out of his busy schedule because he was live uh, from the DNC today. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. 